G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie discusses stories of miraculous healings with best-selling author Lee Strobel. Barbara was diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic with multiple sclerosis. She was curled up like a pretzel. And Barbara says, from the corner of the room, I heard a voice saying, get up my child and walk. She jumped out of bed. Her muscles, which had atrophied, had instantly returned. Uh, Barbara was instantly and totally and completely healed. And her doctor said, this is medically impossible. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. Lee Strobel is the award-winning former legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. He was educated at Yale Law School, and he's a New York Times best-selling author. He's best known for his book and the subsequent movie, The Case for Christ. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie and A New Beginning USA's Dave Spiker talk to Lee Strobel about his new book, The Case for Miracles. It's the number one most requested message of the past year. Uh, there's no question about that. You lost me at Yale. I'm just like, well, okay. But you know what? No, I you know what? I just go out and I interview really, really smart people. That's what I do. People think I'm smart. I just seek out these PhDs from Cambridge and Oxford and ask them questions. I noticed that you didn't include me in that statement. Like, Well, Lee, it's great to have you on the show today. And we want to talk about this brand new book that uh, you've written called The Case for Miracles. I bet there's somebody listening right now, Lee, that is facing a serious crisis. Mm. It could be a medical crisis. It could be some problem with their family. It could be something else that they're struggling with right now, and they're just losing hope. And Mm -hmm. would you have any words of encouragement to them about how God could do a miracle in their life? Well, you know, I was an atheist, a skeptic uh, for much of my life. I came to faith because of the miracle of the resurrection, which I investigated, found it to be credible, came to faith in Christ. And and I came to believe, um, based on the historical reliability of the Gospels, that Jesus performed authentic, real miracles. But, you know, I still have a bit of skepticism in me. I mean, it's a little mm-hmm. in my DNA, um, you know, with a background in journalism and law, you can imagine. And yeah. uh, I wondered, is God still in the miracle business today? And maybe mm-hmm. people listening are wondering, is is yeah. God still available to intervene divinely in my life? And so I spent two years of my life uh, systematically investigating the supernatural, mm-hmm. uh, the, the question of whether or not God is still doing miracles today. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Greg, I was blown away by what I discovered during that two years. And it encouraged me so much, and I hope it encourages those who um, are wondering, is God still there? Is he still listening? Is he still intervening? Is he still doing miracles? The answer is yes, he is still Mm. active, he's still present, and uh, we serve a God who is the same today as he was yesterday and and, uh, in the first century. 
Lee, how would you define a miracle? What is a miracle? Well, you know, there's a lot of definitions, and people throw around that term. You know, they'll say, "Oh, a miracle! I got a parking place." You know, someplace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, uh, I think the best definition comes from uh, Richard Pertill. He was a, a philosopher, and he defined it this way: He said, "A miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature." For the purpose of showing that God is active in history. So the the important part of that, I think, is it is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature. A lot of people say, well, miracles are impossible because they violate the laws of nature. You know, David Hume, the famous uh, Scottish philosopher, said that, and people believed him. Um, But, you know, a miracle does not violate the laws of nature. It merely mm-hmm. intervenes. For example, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here and I have a pen in my hand. If I were to drop this pen, it would hit the floor. Why? Because the law of gravity tells me it would fall and it would hit the floor. But if I drop it and you were to reach in and grab it before it hits the floor, you're not overturning the law of gravity. You're not violating mm-hmm. the law of gravity. You're merely intervening. And this is what God does. You know, we have great scientific evidence, which I talk about in my book, that Genesis 1-1 is true, that that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if God did that, then of course he can intervene in the laws of nature that he himself created. That's right. You know, Lee, some people are very quick to embrace the supernatural, and others are really skeptical. You know, even among believers, some see a miracle nearly everywhere, and others are awfully wary. But your book helps us take a balanced look at the evidence, no, no matter what perspective we happen to bring to this subject, doesn't it? I think it does. I, you know, as I... Uh, in my own life, I was on that skeptical side. Even as a believer, it's like, of course, I believe God can do miracles, but is he doing them? Hmm. Uh, is he still active? And and then I, as I investigated, um, one of the things I did is I retained a public research firm to ask a cross-section of Americans this question. Have you ever had an experience in your life that you can only explain as a miracle of God? And 38% of American adults said yes. Wow. Now, what's interesting about that is if you extrapolate that number, that means there's been 94 million miracles that have taken place. (laughs) Now, let's say, let's say most of them are mistaken. Let's say most of them think it's a miracle, but it's just a big coincidence. So let's, let's say 99% of them are wrong. That still means there are a million miracles just in the United States. So I think sometimes, you know, the fact that we wonder, are miracles still taking place? Sometimes we just need to open our eyes and see that God is still active in our world in a very dramatic way. I have a question for you, uh, Lee. Yeah. Does our faith play a part in a miracle? In other words, let's say there's somebody listening right now, and they're facing a severe crisis of some kind. How important is their faith in all of this? I think our faith is important because it is an expression of our confidence in God. It's our expression that um, I trust you 
that you are my heavenly father, that you have my best interests in heart, at heart, and that I am going to follow you and be your uh, servant and, and your disciple, regardless of what you do in my life. Yes. Um, and I'm praying that you intervene, but if you don't, it's not going to change the fact that I love you and I know that you see things that I don't see, that you have ways that I don't understand, that you choose things that are beyond me, and I'm going to yeah. trust that it's going to be the best thing ultimately for me. Yeah, it's like that one guy prayed, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yes. I think you just come to the Lord with as much faith as you have. Nobody has perfect faith. That's right. We all have lapses of faith. You come with as much faith as you have and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and reach out to him. And the Bible says if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. And today, Pastor Greg and Dave Spiker from A New Beginning USA are talking about miracles with best-selling author Lee Strobel. It's part of a series on the most requested messages of the past year. In fact, this was the number one most requested presentation. Let's continue. There are people who will pray for a miracle their whole life, and it will not come. Um, My wife, Leslie, um, was diagnosed with a medical condition many years ago called fibromyalgia, and it has uh, put her in chronic pain every day of her life for the last 15, 20 years. And uh, we have prayed for her to be healed, and she has not been yet. And um, she will be in pain every day for the rest of her life unless God intervenes. Mm. Um, So I knew I couldn't write a book about the case for miracles without addressing this topic of what about miracles that don't happen. And so what I did is I went to a Christian philosopher named Douglas Grotheis, brilliant apologist, know, he knows philosophy and, and scripture extremely well, but his wife was dying of a brain condition uh, that had left her um, unable to really function on her own. She didn't know what a hairbrush is. She, she didn't know how to use a telephone. She was slowly losing her mind. And indeed, after my book came out, she did go to be with the Lord. Mm. They had prayed for healing for a long time. Yes. It didn't come. And I, yeah. I interviewed him. And I tell you what, I've interviewed hundreds of people in my life as a journalist and, and as a writer. This was the most profound interview I've ever conducted because he was able to talk from the heart and from the mind about wow. this issue of what about prayers that don't seem to be answered. Yeah. And it, it was so profound, uh, the wisdom that he provided. And I, I just hope that anyone who's wrestling with that, the chapter in the book uh, with Douglas Grotheis, I think is worth the time to apply to your life and, and to understand that there's a difference between meaningless yeah. suffering and inscrutable suffering. Meaningless mm-hmm. suffering is suffering for which there is no ultimate good that's going to come out of it. We live in a pitiless universe, as as the atheist Richard Dawkins said, and um, that's just too bad. You're suffering. Sorry, universe is uh, uh, dealt you a bad hand. That's meaningless suffering. We don't yeah. we don't have that as Christians, but we do have inscrutable suffering, which mm-hmm. is we don't quite understand why God. Um, in his sovereignty and in his wisdom and in his love, uh, doesn't do specifically what we are asking him to do in terms of no. a healing or whatever. And uh, that's inscrutable. It just means we don't quite understand God's ways because they're higher than ours. Um, but we can trust because we have good evidence for God, who he is, and his work in our lives. We can trust that he will cause good to emerge. Romans 8.28 is true. And, you know, yes. God ultimately will heal everyone when they that's leave right. this world and, and go to be with him for 
forever. But it's an important subject for people, and I know yes. Leslie and I have struggled with it and wrestled with it. And, um, you know, at some point you pray uh, what's called the prayer of relinquishment. And this is what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. where he prayed and, and asked for God to remove this cup from him, but then to say, but your will be done. And the prayer of relinquishment says, Lord, you know, if I have my way, I sure would love to be healed at this very moment. But I trust you. I love you. I know that you have my best interests at heart. Um, and because I trust you, because I love you, because I have faith in you as much as I can, I am going to trust that in the end, you are going to uh, do something good with the suffering that I'm yeah. going through. That, and sometimes we need to pray that prayer. Mm. You know, after Romans 8.28 is Romans 8.29, profound insight there. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so we always quote Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. But then it goes on to say, for whom God did foreknow, he also did predestined to be conformed into the image of his own dear son. God's end game with all of us is to make us more like Jesus, and it's to prepare us for heaven. As you know, Lee, our son, Christopher was killed in an automobile accident 10 years ago. Right. So the first thing that comes to mind is, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. You even ask, why didn't it happen to me instead of to him? Because he was so young. He was only 33. You know, where were the angels of the Lord? Because we're promised angelic protection. But we forget that there comes a day when our time here is done. The yeah. Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. There's going to be that last date. We don't know why it happens to some sooner than others, especially when they're young. But God is ultimately in control. And I loved what you said about just committing that over to the Lord and just trusting that he knows what he's doing. But um, we want to just encourage people, keep praying for that miracle. Keep praying for the Lord to intervene. And he may say yes to you. He may say wait to you. And he may say no because he has another purpose. But we know that his plans are better than ours. Can I tell you about the, my favorite miracle that I encountered during these two years? Yes, please. Um, I tell you, because we're talking about miracles that don't happen. And I want to talk about one that did, um, one of many. But uh, my favorite one involves a woman named Barbara Snyder. Uh, Barbara was diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic with multiple sclerosis. Uh, we have excellent medical records on her. We have eyewitnesses. We have two doctors who've written books about what happened to her because they were so right. blown away. But she was dying. She had deteriorated over the years, had many surgeries. She was in hospice at home. She was curled up like a pretzel. Uh, her her um, fingers were touching her wrists. They were curled up. Her feet were extended. She couldn't even wear slippers. Uh, her legs were atrophied. She hadn't walked in seven years. She was virtually blind. She could just see shapes, gray shapes and shadows. She had a tube in her throat so she could breathe. She had a tube in her stomach so she could eat. Uh, there was a no resuscitation order on her. She was uh, in her last days. She was going to die. And um, a friend of hers called up a Christian radio station in Chicago, WMBI, and said, uh, would you all pray for Barbara? She's dying, and um, golly, it'd be great if people would pray for her. Well, we know that 450 people, at least, began to pray for Barbara because they wrote letters to Barbara saying, I'm praying for you. So on Pentecost Sunday, Barbara is in her room with two friends, and they're reading to her some of these letters of encouragement that the people wrote who were praying for her. And Barbara says, from the corner of the room, and I talked to Barbara about this, and so chilling to hear her tell personally the story, but she said, Lee, from the corner of the room, I heard a voice, a man's voice saying, 
get up my child and walk. Wow. And she she was so stunned and start. She pulled the tube out of her throat so she could talk. And she said, go get my parents. I, 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 God just told me to get up and walk. Mm. And so they ran out to get her parents. But she didn't wait. She jumped out of bed. Oh my God. And she said she jumped out. She hit the floor and she looked down at her feet and her feet were flat on the floor, which, you know, they mm. had been all curled up. And she looked at her hands and they had uncurled. And then she realized, wait a minute. My eyesight's back. I'm seeing this. Wow. And then her mother comes running in, falls to her knees, and grabs Barbara's legs and says, your calves are back. Her muscles, oh. which had atrophied, had instantly returned. Oh uh, Barbara was instantly and totally and completely wow. healed on her deathbed. She, that night, there was a service at her church, uh, Wheaton Wesleyan Church. She shows up at the service. The pastor is up there, and he says, does anybody have any announcements? And Barbara... <laughs> Barbara begins to walk down the center aisle, and everybody knew Barbara was dying. They'd only known her for years in a wheelchair. And the whole place just erupted, singing, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, and now I see. So the next day, she goes to her doctor, and her doctor says later, when she walked down the corridor toward me, I looked, and I said, well, it must be a ghost. She must have died, and that's Mm -hmm. a ghost, because there's no way she could be healed. He said, this is medically impossible. Wow. Her other doctor said, uh, you know, I, I'm so privileged to have witnessed a true miracle take place. Now, for Barbara's case, we have medical records, we have eyewitnesses, we have physicians, etc. I mean, this is th- – when I talked to Barbara, I sat down with her, and uh, she told me her story. And, and uh, you know, the next day, it was in the Chicago Tribune when it happened. Even wow. the secular Chicago Tribune recognized something miraculous had taken place. Hmm. And um, I asked her, uh, interestingly – Greg, I said, uh, why you? Why did God heal you in such Mm -hmm. a dramatic way and not my wife? And she Mm -hmm. looked at me and she says, I don't know. And that was a common thread when I talked to people who'd had miraculous healings. And I asked, why you? They'd say, I don't know. But here's an interesting thought. I, I, um, I said to Barbara, when you were curled up like a pretzel, was your brain working? Was your mind working? Mm -hmm. She said, oh, yeah. I said, how did you occupy yourself? And she said, oh, I just started a prayer ministry. And I would Mm. pray for other people. Mm. And so here's this woman on her deathbed um, praying for other people. And I Mm. think God, in his love and in his grace and in his sovereignty, just said, I I just want to reach down and touch her in a way that will make people just be astounded by my power to heal. Um, so, uh, so many of those kind of cases that I document in my book, um, are, are so encouraging to me and, and exciting to me as a follower of Christ to know that, um, you know, uh, God is not just sovereign. He's not just transcendent and distant, but he is personal. He's imminent. He's close. He's available. And he loves to surprise us with his grace. Yes. That's author Lee Strobel speaking with Pastor Greg Laurie today on A New Beginning about his research on miracles. And next time, Lee joins Pastor Greg once again, and you'll hear something very remarkable. It'll be something you've probably never heard in your life. We'll hear a recording of the instant someone was healed. Lee investigated it, he verified it, and he spoke with the man. And we'll hear that recording next time, right here on A New Beginning. Same time tomorrow.
Now for a copy of Pastor Greg's full conversation from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Lee Strobel Investigates Miracles. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-005011. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 